want to remind everybody, uh, Equus is planning on a July conference in Orlando this year and uh, talking to Barry about it. And the goal is to have 2,000 people in seats there uh, to really make it a big kickoff with the growth we've had. Uh, currently, Equus has about 1,000 agents, maybe a few more, and about half of them write something every week. Unfortunately, it's normal that only half write something. You know, you've got the 80-20 rule. And for those of you that don't know that, 80% of the people uh, in any business, for that matter, share in 20% of the commission of the income because they're just not motivated. However, 80% of the uh, income is shared by the other 20%. And our goal in having calls like this is to move some of the people that normally would be in that 80% category where they're just not functioning to the way that they would. We want to move you, like what John, we've seen with Johnny, moving Johnny, not moving, he was already there, but we gave him an opportunity to participate in that higher level of income in that 80% bracket. So he's actually sharing in the 80% of the income because of the effort he's put forth. Um, in this process, what you're going to see is Equus is shifting more to a growth mode, rewarding for growth, because they understand something that most people in our industry don't, and that is production comes from growth. So that what they're doing, the shift they're making, we've always been on production, we've always been on growth, but Equus is stepping back a little bit about pursuing the production side, and they're allowing the carriers to do that. And, and one of the things that you're going to see is watch for the carrier trips. You know, in the past, there's always been one trip, and that Equus provided it. They are shifting the money that they were using for that Equus trip to more building projects, and they're going to allow the carriers to continue providing their trip for us. And when I say trips, uh, we literally mean that Americo, as you know, uh, they pay eight, an 8% bonus every six months uh, out as a bonus if you've written more than $35,000 and gotten it placed within a six-month period of time. So if you write $40,000 in business with Americo and get it all issued, uh, that's a $3,200 bonus, and they do that twice a year. So that's incentive they're doing to pr uh, produce production. The uh, American Amicable trip this uh, year uh, for 2022 is going to be Hawaii on the Big Island. Uh, at the Fairmont Orchard Hotel. And uh, Connie and I have been to the Big Island twice. It is an incredible place. Um, you have more PhDs there waiting tables because that's how they support living there. And it's just, it's just a great laid-back place to be. Uh, it's, it, there are places you feel like you're driving on the moon because the lava is there, but the water, the people, it's just a gorgeous place to be. So... Pick whichever trip you want to pursue, and others will be announcing theirs as we go along. Uh, for those of you that can and are interested, it's okay. Connie and I have had several years where we are on two trips, so it's a great thing to do. Um, talking in terms of the 2,000 people at the August uh, convention, if every one of the agents currently at Equus brought one person with them, we would be there. Well, we know that's probably not going to happen. And why do we know that? Because of the 80-20 rule. You know, some people um, won't even go. However, they definitely won't be taking anybody with them. So I thought, you know, a commitment that I'd like to see the Sylvester team to zero in on, 
let's let's be responsible for between five and ten percent of the people that attend that convention. And uh, if everybody on our team brought two to three people with them, two things would happen. Well, we would want have done our part toward this growth, <clears throat> but it also puts you as the agent in a great position um, to grow your team and to start experiencing some of the things that um, Johnny has talked about. And, you know, I, when we talk about building, you know, why build? Why is that important, Equus? Why should it be important to you? You know, we have agents that if, uh, if you gave them a team, they'd run them off in six weeks because they just don't want that responsibility. And at Equus, that's okay. You know, everybody doesn't have to build a team, but most of the people on this call here today either have friends or acquaintances who need to earn some extra money. Maybe it's a part-time income of an extra $500 a week or $500 a month. You know, when the 2008 meltdown happened, they said that well over 80% of the homes that were foreclosed on, if those people would have had an additional $500 a month in income, those homes wouldn't have been foreclosed on. And guys, that's one or two sales a week, or that's three children's policies. It's not that difficult when you look at the landscape out here for you to help somebody earn an extra 500 to to $1,000 a month. And um, do you think they might be thankful? We've had people on the call recently that got on now that are making six or $8,000 a month that they started, and all they wanted to earn was an extra $1,000 a month part-time. But once the, the snowball got started, it changed everything. So um, let's, let's be thinking about that. Uh, somebody is going to help your friend in most cases, so why not you? you know? yeah. One of the things I wanted to zero in on this week was uh, phone skills. You know, that's the first encounter, and this is the nuts and bolts training that I wanted to zero in on today. Phone skills are the first encounter we have with a client. And, guys, we have one opportunity to make the connecting impression. And now some of you are on the call probably rolling your eyes. Why do we continue to cover these? Well, for two reasons. One is we forget. You know, I get a call or two probably a day of somebody who has been very successful and suddenly the wheels have fallen off. And sometimes they've changed the tone of their voice. That's all it was. They don't need an overhaul on the engine. They just need a tune-up. So that's what we're doing for them this morning. We're tuning up. And, um, you know, sometimes changing a phrase or a word in the, in the phone script will make a difference. Uh, and the other thing of it is we have a, a lot of new people that are on the call today and one of the things that I recommend that you do, record yourself, and record yourself in two different situations for two different reasons. One, when you're new, record yourself to see how bad you sound, because when we start, nobody's good. I've had people come to us, oh, I've worked leads for years, you know, and one of the questions I always ask them, I said, well, did you get good leads or did they stink? And if you could see them face-to-face, -face, you'd see that deer in the headlights look like, well, they all stink. Well, it's because they don't understand how to work the leads. I've shared this story on the call before. One of our neighbors owns a state farm agency, and he knew I was in the mortgage protection business and bought mortgage leads, and he saw we were doing pretty well. So the two months of the year that his agency was slow, he would buy mortgage leads and work them. 
trying to build, you know, increase his book of business. And after a few weeks, I'd see him in the neighborhood, and he'd say, Dick, I don't know why you get all the good leads. He said, mine stink. They're terrible. What he didn't know was my company at the time bought his leads when they were 91 days old. I would get his old leads after 91 days, and it was like shooting fish in a barrel because he didn't know how to work them. He didn't understand that there's a specific way you approach people. You hear me talking all the time about teeing it up. Well, that's what we do when we get on the phone. We tee up the the, uh, the client to be able to accept and receive what we have to show them because let me tell you, everybody we talk to that sends one of these leads back, they have a need and an interest in mortgage protection. Well, now how do we do this connecting that you're talking about, Dick? How does that all go? Well, one of the first things we do <clears throat> is we talk low and we talk slow. And I'm going to give you some examples here. For example, when somebody answers the phone, you know, hello, Mary, versus hello, Mary, you know, your voice goes up like she's not sure who it is. It sounds almost like a friend versus hello, is Mary there? Well, when you say hello, is Mary there, you're screaming in Mary's ear, I'm a salesman or a telemarketer, and I'm really not very good at it, and the only reason I'm calling you is I'm here to sell you something. So when you, hello, Mary, you know, wait till they respond. And when they respond yes, most other approaches make you sound like a telemarketer or salesperson. Hello, is Mary there? Or hello, could I speak to Mary? Guys, that is not the way to go about doing it. Even the way you say hello, is hello, Mary? That is a big part of the connecting with what we do. Uh, a second thing that we do that makes us different from everybody else in our industry is pausing in the middle of the next sentence. You know, um, the client, most of the people, when they send the letter back, the only thing they want is a quote. They're going to get three or four or five quotes, and they're going to compare them, and they're going to buy based on that quote. And um, Connie and I recently were looking for a TV and we looked at a couple different places, getting the information. And uh, my son-in-law works at a, 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 a actually an international plumbing supply house. And he pointed out to us a number of years ago that if you buy a Moen faucet at Lowe's or Home Depot, it's a good faucet, but the insides of it, it has a Moen name on it, but the insides in it are a, a hard plastic. Versus if you buy the plumbing supply and pay twice as much for it, those parts are going to be metal, many times brass, and you're going to get a much longer service out of that. Well, TVs are much the same way. If you buy a John Deere uh, mower at Lowe's or Home Depot, that's a different John Deere mower than you would buy at a tractor supply place because the tractor supply is going to be a much heavier-duty uh, machine. Guys, life insurance, in many cases, is much the same way. Now, they're going to pay if you die. I don't mean that at all. But when you look at it from the standpoint of if they're comparing strictly price, the 35 pounds overweight and they're type 2 diabetic, that price they're quoted over the Internet is not going to be the price they're going to get when it comes down to the reality of buying it. The other thing is when they do that blood work, they put themselves at risk for other things to be discovered. So if we've got somebody on the phone 
And it's our job to connect in such a way that we can convey this to them. When we get somebody on the phone, and if you fully understand the value of simplified issue where they don't have to do blood work, is it more expensive? Of course it is. It's a better product for some people. If you've got a type 2 diabetic with many companies, um, I don't know if it's still that way, but I know a year ago, New York Life, State Farm, Allstate, and Prudential, if you were a 50-year-old type 2 diabetic, that was a decline with them. Guys, that's a, that's a standard risk with us with no blood work. So the client's not taking that risk. So we need to start thinking in terms of, one, we need to connect, but we need to understand the value of what we bring to the table. Now, when we get people on the phone and we're talking to them, they've talked to some other agents in the past. Mm-hmm. and Or if they haven't, they intend to because what's their job? To get the best price. So, you know, when we're talking to them and we start the conversation, hello, hello, Mary, she says, yes, this is Dick Sylvester. I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank, our records. See, I didn't stop on at the end of the sentence, I'm calling about your mortgage for SunTrust Bank. Why not? Because their timing is here. They don't want to be rude, you know, and for them to interrupt me in the middle of the sentence would be rude. But for them to stop me at the end of the sentence and jump in and tell me, I've already bought it, I'm not interested, I don't need it, that's totally justifiable. So if I stop in the middle of the next sentence, I've thrown their timing off. They're not prepared for that. By stopping in the middle of the next sentence, that allows me to get my message out before I get interrupted. And the whole purpose, does this work every time? No, but these are techniques you can use that will will make you better. It allows you to get your message out. You know, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Our records, middle of the next sentence I stop, indicate that it has not been taken care of yet. I need... You know, I need a little more information. Well, let me go back here for a second. Um, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Our records indicate, see, right at the end, when I say SunTrust Bank, that's usually when they're going to jump in and tell me they bought something. Well, when I get, I'm able to point out our records indicate that hasn't been taken care of yet, I need, then they're thinking, oh, my gosh, they know. You know, now I did not say I'm from the bank, and I would never say that. But at that point in time, with that phrase and verbiage, they're thinking, "Oh, the bank knows we haven't taken care of that yet." That allows us then the opportunity to point out why this is so important. Um, so to go back here, our records indicate this has not been taken care of yet. I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? Now, let me unpack that sentence for you for a little bit because that's an important one that will lead you on through. Now, you cannot say what I'm saying choppy. You have got to have it down that it flows smooth to the point that you get to that place where you want to stop because you control the the dialogue here. You know, um, when we're looking at this, I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? See, many of you on here, you will get on the phone. Do you have a minute or a few minutes? You think you're saying the same thing, but you're not. Because by now when you make that statement, they they suspect that we are a salesperson or a telemarketer. And the moment you say 
do you have a few minutes? They're not stupid. They know a few minutes to a telemarketer needs 20 to 30 minutes. And when they say, no, I don't, they are totally justified in that answer. However, do you have just a, few, do you have just a moment? For them to say, no, they don't have just a moment would be rude. And guys, they really don't want to be rude. And these are the things that will make a difference. Now, will this work every time? No, it won't. Um, as salespeople or telemarketers, we use different words. The salesperson and the telemarketer, they use words like, it says here. See, the banker would use a word, the letter indicates your mortgage is $291,000. Um, the word indicates is something that makes you different, you know, and that allows you. Now, why do you want to give them, one, you called about their mortgage with SunTrust Bank, and secondly, why do you want to give them the amount of the mortgage? Because how would you have that if they hadn't sent something back? See, some of the information we give them is not for our benefit. We know the mortgage is $296,000. We know that. We don't have to ask that question. But the reason we give them that information is because it builds uh, credibility with us that the only reason we would have that information was because they gave it to us. Now, another thing. Um, just know when you get on the phone and don't be disappointed, don't be surprised, don't get frustrated when they say we've taken care of that. Everybody on the call here today, I want you to expect that and I want you to be prepared for that objection. Why? Because you're going to get it. Expect it. Don't be surprised. Don't call. Well, Dick, they all said they got, they've already taken care of it. They're not interested. Yeah, I know that. I knew that before you got on the phone. So what we do is we start practicing these ways so that we can overcome them in such a way that we can hardly wait for them to bring it up. You know, um, for example, um, when, when I first started doing this, let me mark here so I come back to that point. When I first started doing this, uh, I remember hating just, oh, just getting almost convulsions in my stomach when they say, well, we're going to check at work. Because I know work insurance is pennies on the dollar compared to what we're selling. But it's kind of like that mowing faucet at Lowe's. It's all it's got plastic in it. It's not a very good plan. So I finally developed a system that when they would bring it up, I was delighted because I had a way of overcoming it so well that they were sorry they brought it up. I used to bait them to the point that they would bring it up. They had insurance on the job. I would ask, I said, y'all have insurance on your job? And it was so funny to look on their face because then I would point out, I'd say, well, the insurance on your job, I would ask them, will they let you have any more? And now they are flustered because that was going to be their excuse for not buying. And I took it right away from them. And I would say, is there any chance they'd let you have any more? And, and, and then, guys, learn to use transition phrases and become a master at transition phrases. Ask the question, but before they have a chance to answer, you go into your transition phrase. Is there any chance they'd let you have any more? The reason I ask is it's priced. It is so dirt, dirt, dirt cheap, you cannot afford to buy it. I said, but it's priced, understand. It's probably not going to be there when you need it because it's priced and it's designed to go away 
11 years before you die. And most people want a plan that's going to be there when they need it. Now, people would look at me and say, well, Dick, what do you mean? How do they know when I'm going to die? Well, Mary, they don't. But what they do know is if for some reason you have to leave your job, and, you know, most people love their job. They don't ever intend on going anywhere. But, you know, a year or two from now they have a car wreck, and they can't do that level of work anymore, and they lose their job. Well, the insurance company priced that insurance planning on an event like that happening. Or worse yet, they get a terminal illness. And if you ask old George when he's selling to, hey, George, if I leave here, can I take this insurance here with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you can take it with you, and you can. But it's like COBRA. It's good, either depending on the contract, you're allowed to keep it for 13 months or 18 months after you leave. And when you do leave, it's priced as a standalone. So it's not priced dirt cheap anymore. Now it's expensive for 13 months. And that's a great plan. That's a great safety net. But what if you live 14 months in a day? Mm -hmm. Now you've paid all that money. The insurance now is not there when you need it, and you can't get anything. So I literally would – I practice that to the point that I would literally bait people to bring it up. Well, guys, we need to be doing the same thing when we expect the objection. Well, i got to think about it. I'm not interested. You know, learn to develop a presentation about overcoming that. Now, the key to it is is to keep it in as few words as possible and not be confrontational with it. For example, when Mary says, um, uh, uh, we've already taken care of that. Well, Mary, that's why I'm calling. Now, you got to slow down. Mary, that's why I'm calling. Did you do like most folks and just cover a portion of the mortgage? And guys, well over 90% of the time, that's the case. So when you ask that question, did you do like most folks and just cover a portion of the mortgage? Well, yeah, we did. Well, now that you've got that in place, would you like to get just a little bit more? If they say yes, close it. If they say no, then we use another transition phrase. No, we're not interested in any more. Well, the reason I ask, most people got the kind that pays when you die. Is that the kind you all got? Well, they don't know the difference. They don't know there's any other kind out there. Well, of course, I bought life insurance that pays when you die. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like a stupid question to them, but it really has merit, and I'll show you here. Well. If you qualify, most people add a little foreclosure protection coverage to their plan. You know, the kind that makes all the monthly payments if you have cancer, stroke, or heart attack and can't work for six months to a year. If you went without a paycheck for a year battling cancer, how would you make your mortgage payment? Now, guys, have you noticed how I've slowed down and get these questions asked? Well, I couldn't. Well, most people in your situation will get a dollar a day or a $2 a day plan that just protects them from foreclosure protection. And then you don't ask them if they want to buy it, but if you could qualify for something like that, would that be important to you? Guys, that question is not confrontational. You're not asking them to buy anything. You're just testing their level of interest. For example, most agents are going to say, would would you be interested in that or would you like to buy that coverage? No. If you qualify, see what I just did there, if you qualify, 
I just took it away from them. You know, now if you went in to buy something and you were really excited about it, but you're not quite ready to pull the trigger, and the salesman says, we only have one of these inventory. Do you want me to check and see if it's still available? What just happened? Oh, my gosh, I want that thing. I hope somebody didn't get it before me. You know, they just moved you from a prospect into a buyer with that simple question. That's what this is all about today. You're trying to move your, your prospect into the buying mode through a series of questions. If you qualified, would that be important to you? These are things that will make all the difference in your career. See, if it's not important to them, if the answer is no, we're not interested, move on. Do you think that guy at the TV store is going to go check and see if that one TV they have is still in uh, uh, stock? No. He's going to say, you know, when you're ready to go, give me a call. We'll see what we have then. And he's going to go to that other couple of there looking at another TV to see if he can get the sale or a car or a diamond ring or whatever it happens to be. Either if they say that, either at that point in time, this is something you need to understand because that doesn't mean they're not interested. But one, they may not understand what you're talking about when it comes to foreclosure protection. That's one option. Um, you may have missed a couple of points. That's why it's important to practice this. Uh, or they can't afford it. You know, you could be talking too fast. So after this, after the presentation, go back. It's a great idea to call your manager and rehash, relive what you just went through because they may pick up on the fact that you're talking too fast. They may pick up on the fact that you misstated one of the um, key points. You know, you, you said what it was right, but you didn't say it the right way. You've heard me say a lot of times on the call, it's not what you say, it's what you convey. I didn't say he beat his dog. He just roughed him up a little bit. I didn't say he beat his dog. That fellow over there said he beat his dog. See, it's what you convey that really makes a difference. See, another objection we need to practice and, and build a rebuttal on the phone uh, is, oh, we're good. How many times have you heard that on the phone? Oh, we're good. Well, the first thing you want to say, what does that mean? You know, uh, usually that's a confrontational. Now, you can say what does that mean and be effective, but you can't say it in a combative way, and it has to flow without uh, being herky-jerky. Well, John, when you say you're good, what does that mean? Does that mean if you don't come home tomorrow because of a car wreck or heart attack, your family is not going to have to move? You know, something like that. Um, one of the things is um, when we connect and they're, you know, if, if they're not interested, it's okay to move on. Usually when, when people will say, we're good, it's because of price. Now, many times they just say that because it's worked with everybody else they've talked to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take we're good and I'm going to convert we're good to its price because I can overcome that. I can't overcome we're good. So I'm going to say usually when people, Mary, when people say we're good, it's because of the price. Um, was what you've looked at too expensive? And many times they'll say yes. Well, 
if the price had been a little more affordable, would it make sense now, understanding what you know, to have that coverage? If the answer is no, move on. But if the answer is yes, then did the person you talked with, did they talk about a foreclosure protection plan with it? Well, no, they never mentioned that. See, I'm slowing down, and when you slow down, you sound like you're more interested. And guys, I am interested, not in making the sale, but protecting the family, and you'll understand that before. Well, Mary, let me ask you this. If you had cancer, stroke, or a heart attack and could not work for six months to a year, how would you make your mortgage payment? Well, I couldn't. Well, most people in your situation, another transition phrase here, most people in your situation will get one of the dollar-a-day or two-dollar-a-day foreclosure protection plans. If you qualify for that, would that be important to you? So you would have money to make your payments for a year without having to worry about it? If they say yes, let me get some information. Don't imply they can buy it just to see if you qualify. See, they'll give you the information to see if you qualify or see if they qualify. They will not give you the information to buy something. So as you're going through every time they give you the answer to one of your questions, they're one step closer to realizing, I've got a problem and this person has, my, has the solution. That's what this is all about. It's finding and establishing what their problem is and then providing a solution, and you give them two choices. My grandson walked up last night. I laughed until I thought I'd cry. There were two boxes of candy at the house here. And he looked at those boxes of candy, and he surveyed the situation, and he knew good and well if he walked up and said, can I have this, the answer was going to be no. And he walks up with one in each hand, and he looked at Cece, and he said, Cece, which one of these is for me? You know, the alternate choice clothes. And I, I was telling this mother last night, I just howled. I said, this kid is going to be some kind of a salesman. <laughs> now, back to what we're talking about here today. Do these work all the time? No. But they will work more frequently, and the more you practice them, and the more natural they sound. See, that's, that's a key thing. The more natural they sound, you literally sound like you care more about the client because you'll get to the point that you sound like you really care for these people. And guys, I'm not saying this in a way that we're trying to imply something that's not true or that we don't care. See, you'll start caring after you deliver your first death claim. After you, you know, when you've delivered that first death claim and you see the sigh of relief, yes, we're gonna, we've lost a, a loved one but we're not going to lose the house, too. The last thing in the world two or three or four kids need to do is to lose their father to death and their mother to a second or third job. They've lost them both. And, guys, you are in a position to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay? Now, um, when you've called on the phone and you're talking to a widow or a widower and the lead's six months old, and two months after they sent the lead in or three months after they sent the lead in, he or she died. And you call and you hear on the phone, no one even called us about this. 
I'm about to lose my home because we don't have this in place. When you start making a couple of those phone calls, let me tell you something. Your voice is going to change. Your attitude is going to change. And the context of what you're saying uh, is definitely going to change. Now, the reason we're doing training like this is for our clients. They deserve, guys, they deserve our best. And our best is not doing job training on the phone with them. Our best is practicing and getting good before we get on the phone. Our lack of preparation can and will have a lasting consequence on any family that we're not able to help. Now, let's not be one of those agents who is too lazy to learn these principles or too undisciplined to practice them. Let's practice and practice the point that we become effective. An amateur will practice until they get it right but a professional will practice until they never get it wrong. Which are you?